the thrill of hope. Uh, church is so good to actually be here. Um, I do want to say over the past month or so, like when uh, my family was battling some, some health things going on or some sickness, I want to say thank you to many of you that reached out, was praying for us, uh, overly generously just blessed us in different ways. Um, we just want to say thank you personally uh, to each of you. You know, this morning I get the opportunity to share with you this Sunday before Christmas. How fun is that to actually say? It's like brings out the kid in you where you can say, the Sunday before Christmas. It's so cool. (laughs) We actually had Christmas with Grandma and and Pap last night at our house, and uh, you should see the look on their faces. And it it always, it doesn't matter what's going on, it just brings a joy to your face to see kids around the tree and they're opening gifts, and it was like, it was a big smile on my face to watch it happen. And they kept asking me, will you open your gift? Uh, my father-in-law wanted to surprise me with something. He's like, open your gift. I'm like, no, I won't watch the kids open their gifts because I just want to watch because it really just brings joy to, to watch little kids full of excitement and hope and joy uh, during the Christmas season. So we were each asked to, as we would share this series some lyrics that really hit home to us in the song, Oh Holy Night. And uh, praying about it, it was funny, me and Dustin actually had a conversation on text message back when we originally were processing this and we were fighting for lyrics. Uh, we arm wrestled, I won. Um, he's still trying to recover. Luckily he can still play his guitar this Christmas season. Um, but the lyrics that I chose, that just I felt the Lord just led me to was, the king of kings lay thus in lowly manger. In all our trials born to be our friend, he knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. Behold your king before him lowly bend. Behold your king before him lowly bend. And when I see those, those lines, it just stuck out to me where I go, he was and all of our trials born to be our friend. So whatever trials we're facing in this world and whatever trials we're facing personally and in, in our nation, in our world, he was born to be our friend. And it says he knows our need. Sometimes we sit there and go, are you out there? Are you, are you with me? Is there any help? I'm desperate in this world many times when we're facing things. And he says, he knows our need, the song says. It says to our weakness, he is no stranger. He's familiar. You see, the opposite would be, he is familiar with our weakness. He's become familiar with it. And I hope to share some scripture with you that will bring that to light. Um, You know, as we talk about the birth of the savior, I find it where I always read it and I go, he had some humble yet some familiar beginnings for the savior of the world. That's the way I kind of like to put it. My Christmas take on things sometimes can even make some people uncomfortable because there's a, there's an old country, there's a country song that was out. It's old to you new people, but it was called, you should have seen it in color, like in color. It was, it was talking about how everybody would watch these, see these pictures in black and white. And they were like, you should have been there. And when I think about the scripture and I think about the Christmas story, it's easy for me to look and see the black and white of the, of the, of the words on a page. But man, I can't imagine what it was like to see it in color. And when we see it in color, we'd sometimes we can distance ourselves and think that, and think that like things were a little chaotic and things were a little crazy in the story. But honestly, this story is crazy. 
And so I want to, I want to put a little color into it here today. And I want to, I want to look at it from that lens. You know, I'm going to be picking up in just a second in Luke chapter two, but I want to bring you to that moment where he's born in a manger. Let's look at this and think about this. So we have, we have Mary who is a teenager, a, a angel visits her bedroom and says, Hey, highly favored one. You're going to give birth to the savior of the world. Uh, yeah, but I'm not married and don't think I'm going to be having kids yet. No, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to give birth to the son of God. And here we go. You got, you got married and, and, and you think, okay, well, that's beautiful. But then I start thinking about that side story that going, but Mary's going, I'm an unwed mother now. I'm going to be an unwed teen mother in this community. And that's not looked upon very well. And Jesus was, <laughs> Jesus' mother, that was the pick. That was the pick. Could have, could have been a queen with everything that they needed, all the riches and all the glory and all the favor of all the world. Instead, it was Mary, a teen mom who's probably scared to death and where family and her friends are going to think in their little village. And then you got Joseph. He was going, uh, okay, so she's pregnant, who needed an angel himself to come visit him and say, yeah, but he's going to be the savior of the world and you're going to name him Jesus. Yeah, but you know, and what was, what was Joseph thinking? Because it wasn't all pretty because he was going, how can I let her off easy? You know, maybe I can divorce, you know, we can kind of like not get married. You let her off easy so there's not all this disgrace and all these things going on. He's probably, and you know what? Here, we're going to take it in color. What was my family thinking? Like, what are they going to think? What's everybody thinking right now? I'm going to be disgraced. What's going on? But okay, but he's the Savior. Well, you know what? I'm going to obey you, God. All right, I'm going to do this. And he took Mary in as his wife and honored everything until, and then, and then finished the consummation of the marriage after, the baby, after baby Jesus was born. And I think about that, stepdad, teen mom, all these things going on here. Imagine all of the words that probably were talked about. Man, I mean, I'm imagining gossip wasn't invented in the 20th or 21st century. I'm imagining there was some, there was some well talk going on back then that day too. We call it water cooler talk back in the day, and now I call it well talk when we go back then. But I want to pick up in Luke chapter 2 with you, because I want to point those things out, because it's, not a, it, it, it's an interesting scope of how Jesus was born in this world. But picking up there in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Luke, it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time come for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now I want to hold there and just point out something. It says there's no guest room. We, you know, we talk, and we have the kid's story, there's no room at the end. We talk about that. And we, you know, some hotel innkeeper has been like held hostile for centuries. Like, you let baby Jesus be born outside the end? But I want to think about the context of this world that Jesus was born into. They went back to Joseph's hometown, okay? It was estimated that the, the town itself was probably about a thousand people. 
but there was a census, they were come, and the people had to come back, and they had to register. He was under the line of David. Some, some Jewish history claims that Joseph's family was kind of well-to-do. It was kind of a prominent family um, there in Bethlehem. Yet here he is with his pregnant-to-be wife, and there was no family member that could let him in the house. They couldn't let him in to let the baby be born inside a house. So I see it in color a little bit more to go, there's some complicated things that were probably happening back then. So you're thinking, man, well, I've got family problems this Christmas season. I'm kind of lost. I'm kind of scared. Can I tell you something? Jesus was born into that. Jesus coming into the flesh was born into this messy situation. You go, but I'm a mess. My family, everything's a mess right now. Can I tell you right now, wherever you're sitting and listening to this message, I'm going to let you know Jesus was born into a mess so that he could understand your mess. And I'm going to show you in scripture exactly where it says that. But I'm starting here in the Christmas story because it's the Christmas season. And I believe that we need to see this through a colored lens. But here's the beauty of this story, because I want to I talk and just quickly read this with you. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the God shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. So here you go. you got baby Jesus, the Savior of the world, lying in a manger. And some of us say, we've heard this for years. But some of us, this might be the first time we're hearing this. The Savior of the world, lying in a manger. A glorified trough. And where did they go first after this, after they've already gone to a teen mom and a guy that's going to be an embarrassed stepdad whose family may have turned him away at the, at the biggest moment of their lives? They got a birth of a child coming. The shepherds, the ones out in the field taking care of the flock that many times are overlooked and they're kind of like, hey, you're out there. That's who they went to and they invited him in because they were the common folk. Because Jesus, when he was born in his messy world, they immediately took the message to the common folk, the people that are out there that weren't just the people that felt like they had it all together. He's saying, I want to invite you to be one of the first to experience something that was so amazing. And as they're out there and they're seeing this, it says in verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest to heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. He wasn't saying that. Did you imagine you being a shepherd going that favor rests? And if you remember, I just said that they shared Mary, you, teen mom that's going to go through this embarrassment, highly favored one. The angel described her as highly favored and you're hearing the angelic worship of the ones of the highly favored, the favor rests. So the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem and check this out. That's, that's a Sean Twig version. But in verse 16, it says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But this is my favorite part. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I think about that because I think about the song we sang this morning with the worship team. What a savior, look at him, look at him. And I think about all the things that have been probably stressed out by Mary and, and what she has gone through emotionally, physically, socially, 
all the things that had gone on in that moment and Jesus being born and laying there as an innocent child birthed into this world and sitting there in that manger. And there's these shepherds that are showing up. They're just these humble goats going, an angel just visited us and we're going to go check this thing out. And she said that she pondered on those things and it just blessed, it, it blessed her. All in spite of all the things that were happening, it was like, look at this. He's the savior. We are raising the savior and look at all these people coming to honor him. Like, take your eyes, look at him. Look at him. I just can't get over those lyrics this morning. Look at him. Look at him. You see, as we think about that part of the Christmas story, I'm going to kind of pivot for a moment because I want to, I want to state a truth that I will stand on right here today. We have been given an amazing Christmas gift. We have been given a king and a friend all in one who invites us to a sacred, sacred relationship. And the biblical term that you'll hear some people sitting around that when they really get in the world, we call it a covenant, which means it's a mutual relationship of sacrifice for one another. To be there that is willing to invest, both sides fully invested, a covenant. He invites us to that sacred level of relationship. And when I think about king and friend, I see a king to, to lead us, protect us, and provide for us. You see, we've been given a gift of a king who is sitting there and he's saying, I will lead you. I will protect you like a king. And I will provide pathways for you as a king. But in the same right, he says, I'm a friend. A friend to forgive us. He's a friend to comfort us. He's a friend to understand us. And all that, when I describe, because sometimes we get hung to go, he's a king. And he leads us and protects us and provides us and he does those things. But he says he's also, I believe he's been giving us a gift of being a friend. A friend who's a true friend will forgive one another. A true friend who will comfort someone when they're hurting and in need. A true friend who understands and gets you. Sometimes I don't even get myself. But I have a best friend in the whole wide world named Renee who does get me and can read my mail and bring me back on track at many times in my life. Thanks to COVID more times than not. But we have a king and a friend. You know, it's funny because my, my son moved me on this and I wanna sit here for a minute because my son took it a step further and I didn't use his words here because I wanna give him a shout out because I thought Ben had something profound in this because I was sharing it with him and he said, Dad, he's, he's a father and a friend. He's not, you know, we see King, he goes, but he's a father and a friend. And so Ben, I give you a shout out this morning for God using you to share that intimacy, that father and a friend. Because isn't that what a father does when you see a king, when I describe it? Doesn't a father, isn't a father there to lead his home, to lead his family? to protect his family and to provide for his family. But at the same time, isn't a father meant to be there to hold his family accountable but yet forgive his children? To comfort them when they have their broken hearts and 
your, you know, your daughter or your son experiences that first heartbreak in their teen years and you're there for them, they'll put your arm around and say, hey, it's going to be all right, bud. And even in spite of them not even realizing that you get them, you actually understand them because you've been watching them and studying them from the moment they gave their first breath in that hospital room or where they were born. That's what I think. He's a father and a friend. So I share all that with you this morning. But I want to take you into some scripture where I want to show you now that's an amazing promise and description in Hebrews. Because I feel like the writer of Hebrews takes that snapshot of what I just described in the, in the, in the Christmas story and the reality of it and sheds some amazing light on it in Hebrews chapter 2. So if you're following along, you got your word out wherever you are, or your Bible app, Hebrews chapter 2, I want to read a little bit of scripture with you for a minute. And it picks up in verse 10 there. And it says, For it was fitting for him for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, to make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all of one. All of one. I want you to grab those words. I'm going to come back to them. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Once you get that, I'm going to say that again. See, I'm going to say that again just to make sure the people that, that would, I'm pretending are in the back right now are going to get fired up. He is not ashamed to call them brothers. He is not ashamed to call you f- a brother. And I'll get to that in a minute. I just want to preach on ahead now, like jump this. Saying, I will declare your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing praises to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. And it continues to say, so then as the children share in flesh and blood, we get to share it. He shares in that with us. He likewise took part in these so that through death, he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver those who through fear of death were throughout their lives subject to bondage. For surely he does not help the angels, but he helps, guys, you better get this, I'll explain this. He helps the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, it was necessary for him to be made like his brothers, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself suffered while being tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I pointed some key words. You heard me kind of elevate my voice a little bit at times because there are some amazing truth right here that will comfort us in this Christmas season in spite of everything we're facing. And I'm going to, I want to use, I'm going to, I'm going to give some teaching points here. I got, you're going to find out that I'm, I'm going away from that traditional three point sermon. I'm going to teach five things here really quick with y'all. I'm going to, so you can put your praise hand up after it's over. I got five. I feel like I'm teaching around. I'm going to go five. Okay. I got five. And I'm going to relate it to the scripture with you here. It says, first one I'm going to tell you is Jesus calls us his family. See, Jesus calls us his family. Because, you know, it says that the ones who sanctifies, the one who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. And if you think about that, it means it's like all of one tribe. We are all of one. We're in oneness. 
We're in covenant. We're in brotherhood. We're in family. He calls us his family. You know, this is, a, this is hitting home for me because like I shared with you earlier, when I had some friends and different people that have talked to me in the past weeks that have just shared their trials. In fact, I've shared my own trials at times. There's times I felt like a failure. Feels like there's times when I've walked downstairs after getting off my computer from preparing stuff for school at six o'clock at night and I got still some more work to do and my kids are going, are you done? Now I gotta go back to my office for just a little bit longer. Feeling like I failed as a dad. I've been there. I got friends that are there. But you know what I realized in all that is, is we sit there and we start taking on these labels and we sit there and we go, but I'm a terrible parent because right now I'm not sure what presents I'm gonna put on a tree. I'm days away and I'm stressed and I'm listening to you talk, Sean. But what, what do I get from this? Can I tell you what you get from this? He calls you his, you're not a failure, but you're a family. I want everybody to realize in spite of what you're feeling right now, you are not a failure, but you are family. You are a son or a daughter of the king of kings who calls you family. You are not someone that can sit back and say, you are not your greatest achievement. You are not your worst failure. You are a son or a daughter. You are family to Jesus Christ himself, and he's proud to call you family in spite of it all. You know why? Because he gets you. Because he's not only a king or a father, but he's a friend. So I want you to understand before you can go any further, right now, whatever lie you may have believed, whatever lie you're struggling with, because I feel pressed to say that right now, somebody is listening right now online, whatever lie you're believing, I want you right now to say I'm a son of the king or I'm a daughter of the king, because I believe right now you gotta declare that to yourself and declare that in spite of everything you feel and in the sight of the fear that may have taken over or the tears that your kids may have seen you cry or the times that you find stress or the times that you've shouted out in anger because all of a sudden you've been so burdened. I want you to know that right now you can say you are a son or a daughter of the king. Now I'm going to step it further from that set of scripture with you this morning for Christmas because this is a gift. This is a Christmas gift. Jesus is not ashamed of his family. Sometimes we all, when we go to these Christmas parties in normal years, it isn't COVID, everybody's got that one family member where we're like, oh my He's starting the jokes again. Oh, he's going to say something? Okay. Kids, cover your ears. I'm not sure what he's going to say. You know, some families joke and say they have that uncle. <laughs> You're not sure what they're going to say. Some people call me that in our family. But Jesus is not ashamed of his family. You know, in that scripture, it starts off right there. And that second half of verse 11 says, he is not ashamed to call them brothers. You see, Jesus, the Savior of the earth that was born in this world, you see, because he took on our flesh just like we are, the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, the King of kings says, I'm not ashamed to call you family. I'm not ashamed of you. I might be perfect, and I know how imperfect you are, but you want to know something? I'm a king slash father and a friend, and I get you. I get you. I get your mess. I was born into a mess. I get you. And you want to know something? My mom wasn't ashamed of me. My stepdad wasn't ashamed of me. And you know, in spite of anybody else that may have had shame and scorn in my village back in Bethlehem, they weren't ashamed of me when I walked in the flesh. And as you walk in the flesh, even though I walk in perfection, I'm not ashamed of you. Because you're my family. 
I feel like that's what Jesus tells me. I'm not ashamed of you. And I want you to know this morning as a gift that if you're feeling shame and guilt this Christmas season, if you're my brother out there that I've gone back a few years with and helped and he struggled back into, into the realm of addiction that I just found out and had so much shame that he had a hard time being able to tell me. But he's now getting help. Jesus isn't ashamed of you. He calls you family. He calls you a son. And if you get a chance to listen to this, I want you to know that. Because he's not ashamed of us. <laughs> Third, hmm. Jesus understands his family. He understands us. Why? Because he shared in the flesh and blood. You know what? It says in the world, you know, the world has a saying. It says you need to have thick skin to walk in this world. You know what? Flesh and blood, it hurts to walk in this world with flesh and blood. Because you know what? It hurts. We get nailed with words and physical, we emotionally, physically, mentally, we get hit hard. You want to know something? He was born into that weakness. You know, I teach, I get the chance to teach middle schoolers for one of my classes I teach uh, history. And we're doing ancient world cultures. We talk, we have to talk about world religions. You know, one of the blessings that I feel as a Christian and I, when I teach is that, of course, I have to share the facts of all these religions. It's my job. But you want to know something? All of them, it was they're worshiping something gold. They're washing some, washing, worshiping some statue. They're worshiping some idol here, idol there. But not one of them took on the flesh like Jesus did and was born in a lowly manger like we do. Our God gets us. The one true living God gets us. Because he was the God, he is the one true living God, and he took on the flesh to feel what we feel. You see, we, there's a mystery what happened in like those 30 years between the time that Jesus shows up in the scriptures as an adult in his ministry and when he was born in that story when he was born, except for a few little times where you hear about he was a kid schooling all the Pharisees. But I guarantee you he scraped his knee and Mary had to help clean it up. I guarantee you that he was sitting there and he probably got annoyed by somebody at some point. He may have never sinned, but I guarantee you he got annoyed. I can't imagine him not to. Because you know what? Because he took it very personal to become and feel what we feel and experience what we experience, he understands us. He understands his family because he experienced that same thing. Fourth, Jesus protects his family. Not only has he given us a blessing of an eternity that's gonna protect us for eternity, but I also believe that he protects us many times when we don't even realize it. You know, the word says that he took on the flesh so that he could destroy him who has the power of death. That's protection. That's the ultimate protection you can have that affects eternity, that he is defect. It says that he protects us. There's a time he protects us from, from, from sickness. There's times that he protects us from, from situations that we're going to get to because he guides us and steers us. But you want to know something? Sometimes, and I'm going to say something you may disagree with, sometimes we're steered into difficult situations in this world, and I think he's still protecting us from something else. There have been times that I've been put in trials and I honestly look back on them and say, he was protecting me from myself. 
I believe he looks out and has a bigger, he sees the bigger picture, guys. Wherever you're sitting at this morning, he sees the bigger picture and he's protecting his family. He knows. Sometimes we don't understand until we get to the other side of a trial that we realize there's a better version of us sitting there with our character because he's developed our character as we persevered through that. He's protecting us for something greater that we might face. Sometimes a trial that we see as a mountain is a molehill and there's a mountain coming down the road and he's protecting us and preparing us for that. So it might seem like it's really a big trial right now, but it might just not be yet. Even though it feels and it hurts, he gets it. So he loves you and he comforts you in it and makes it go, yeah, I know that looks like a mountain and I love you and I comfort you. <laughs> you just don't even know about this mountain over here, but I am protecting you right now and showing you the way to get through it. And I protect you from the clinches of death, the power of death. And I don't think we can ever talk about Christmas without hitting this note. Jesus was on a mission to go behind enemy lines to rescue and save the lost, the broken, and the hurting. So he broke the clinches of death because he was born, not just to live the good life here on earth, become the savior. What a savior, look at him, look at him. Because that baby was eventually gonna be born to raised up to be a sacrifice on a cross to have to face death itself and three days later walk out of a tomb unscathed. He did all that, he was born with a mission and a purpose to protect us for an eternity. And since he gets us because he's also a king slash father and a friend, he protects us while we're walking it out now. Finally, Jesus leads his family. You know, right now, this, I, tell a lot, I just feel that God's pressed on my heart and I've been sharing this. We're in a season. And as we read in the word seasons, they have a starting point. They have good times, bad times, almost like a twisted plot of a story. But there's always an end to a season. And you know, the funny part is that's why Jesus is still a father slash a king, a king slash a father, because he's a leader. He's the leader of the universe. And he leads his family and he leads it well. And you know what I want you to know this morning, that if you're here and you're in the midst of a trial this Christmas season, Jesus will lead you into the trial, he will lead you through the trial, and he will lead you out of the trial. And I promise you that I can show you scripture from front to back where he has done it time and time again, because you know why? Because as that scripture said earlier, he is merciful and faithful. That means he shows us mercy knowing that we're in the midst of something that's going on in our lives, but he's also faithful that he will not leave you nor forsake you, he will walk by your side. Sometimes we think we're all alone. If you this morning, this Christmas season, feel like you are alone walking through this Christmas, hurting, broken, fearful, saddened, Jesus has not left your side. He is walking hand in hand with you. And I like to always describe it. I believe that the image that God has always given me is like a mountain and you're climbing up and it hurts. And he's going one more step, one more step, because one more step is one more gain to get through the season. One more step, just one more step. Just climb up one little bit more, go up a little bit more, go up a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you're at the top and you're dancing like Rocky looking back going like he was at the top of the steps of the art museum in Philadelphia. And you're going, yes, 
And he's going, yes. And he's celebrating alongside you with joy because he leads his family. He leads his family in good times and bad. Jesus doesn't just walk away when you're hurting or when you made a mistake or when you sit there and you feel like, man, I have blew it. He goes, that's okay, I get you because you're imperfect. You did blow it, but we'll walk this out. We'll walk this out together. That's a Christmas gift. We have a savior, what a savior. Look at him. Look at him as he calls us family. Look at him as he's not ashamed of us. Look at him as he understands us, even when we don't even understand ourselves. Look at him, how he protects us, and look at him, how he leads us. So this morning, as we bring this and wrap it, I feel like the challenge this morning is to say, in spite of everything we're facing this Christmas season, let's take a moment and embrace this key truth that we have been given a king and a friend, a father and a friend. The God of the universe calls us family. So the greatest gift we've been given is we're not alone. This gift we've been given is we're not alone. If you're feeling out there right now and you're going, I don't even know Jesus. I don't even, I don't even know him as the Lord and Savior and it's his Christmas season and, and you're just tuning in because somebody said, hey, tune in to LOH this morning. Or somebody shared the Facebook post or, a YouTube, or the YouTube video with you. I just, I just want you to know that it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus died on that cross for your sin, but it, it, it goes further because he defeated death for you. As I said, he protects you, but... It's also, he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to give you a gift of a relationship to let you know that you're never alone. That in your darkest hour, you're never alone. This Christmas season, you're not alone. You might be heavy hearted and hurting, or you may feel like you're exhausted and tired, but you're not alone. And he will show you in his presence, but he will also put people in your life to let you know that you have people by your side. that let you know you're not alone. So this morning, as we pray, let's recognize that we have a king slash father and a friend that calls us family. Let us pray and say, Jesus, this morning, I need to put my eyes back on you and say, look at you, look at you. Lord, this morning, I need you to lead me as you pray, maybe you guys, Lord, you need to protect me. Lord, thank you for providing for us. So I need your provision. Maybe this morning you're talking to God as a friend and you say, God, forgive me. God, you know, I'm hurting right now. Comfort me. God, I don't even understand what I'm going through right now and why I'm doing what I'm doing, but you do. Can you help me? Could be any of those. Let's pray together. Father, we just come to you now. Like you started with this song, Oh Holy Night, that you lay in a lowly manger. <laughs> in spite of our trials, you are our friend. In the midst of our weakness, you are no stranger. But today, I come to you to finish with 
let us bend the knee. Let us bend the knee with the altar of our hearts to say, Lord, we worship you. We put our eyes on you. And God, I want to exchange. I want to I make an exchange, Lord, that I want to take these things the world has tried to offer me. And I just want to exchange them to know that I have a, I have a king slash father and a friend. Lord, I know what that means and what that provides. So Lord, I just want to ask you to minister to my heart, minister to our hearts, Lord. I pray for the weary in our community that are hurting for sick loved ones, God, that you just give them a peace that transcends all understanding this morning. But most of all, God, as we will gather in small groups and with family and households to celebrate Christmas, God, let it just be a time where we experience the richness of your joy, let us experience the richness of hope, comfort, and all of the things that you provide us as we enjoy the riches, the riches of a relationship with you. Lord, thank you. And as crazy it may sound, Merry Christmas, God. We thank you, we honor you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, folks.